Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Unlimited Access series, where Dr. Jones teaches on various aspects of Christian prayer. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, believers have unlimited access to dialogue with our Father in heaven. Now let's join them for today's message. Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 1. It says, Now he was telling them a parable to show them, to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because the widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Today's title is People of God Keep Praying. We've all heard that old adage that's spoken of, and it says, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You know, when you think about that, that's pretty self-evident. Like, you bring a knife to a gunfight, you're probably going to lose because you brought the wrong weapon. You know, the, the gun is more powerful than the knife. You know, even a, one that wields a knife well, um, somebody with a gun, you know, they got no shots, it's, it's, it's not going to be good for you. I bring it up because today in our country, We have a lot of things going on, and the thing is, how do we, according to the word of God, respond to such ills of our day? And in our flesh, we can get caught up and try to be like one that will bring a knife to a gunfight. When we've misunderstood, the scripture says, although we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual, meaning we can't bring fleshly weapons and a fleshly way to this type of conflict and this type of fight because this is ultimately a spiritual issue. Ultimately. And the reason I say this as we get ready to dive into this text about people of God keep praying because when you look at the history of our country, even when going back to uh, the the first uh, foreigners coming up on the new world, And then fast forwarding into the import of slaves from Africa, into the struggles with uh, emancipation and then Jim Crow laws and then uh, the segregation and then the civil rights movement and then voting and up to even now. We've had progress and we have laws in place to protect people from discrimination, to protect people from hatred, to protect people from the ills of racism. But yet we still got a problem because laws can't fix the heart. It can't fix the heart. 
Yeah, we got laws, but we have men and women that have to enforce those laws. And we see sometimes they pick and choose when and how they will enforce those laws. Because the issue at the end of the day is, it's a hard issue. And the only answer to that issue is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we can rant and rave and we can do a whole, we can get angry. We should have righteous indignation. We should have righteous anger. We should speak out. I have no problem with marching and stuff. But at the end of the day, the people of God have got to stand up. And the first thing we got to do is we got to pray for God to change hearts, for God to move. And then we need to pray for courage and boldness to stand up and be true and faithful witnesses in every aspect of our lives to put Jesus Christ on display. So for those that don't know Christ, you come to know Christ and have transformed hearts. Because our minds, <laughs> they're vile. Our hearts are dark until the song like we sang a minute ago, his love awakens us. The weapon that I'm us talking about using and what's going on right now, Jesus speaks to us that we ought to be continually praying. And I find this uh, very interesting but that he goes into this parable right after he speaks upon his return. He was just teaching on how he's going to be coming back and what he dives into as we are waiting for him to return where he will eradicate all evil. There'll be no more sickness, no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow. It's, the scripture says he wipes away every tear. That is good news. And what is the first thing he dives into in Luke's gospel is will we be continually praying. Will we be continually trusting God to be faithful to his promises? Over this series, we've been talking about prayer and we looked at how we can be confident. We looked at how we can go to God 24-7. We have unlimited access to the Father. We have unlimited access to the throne room. We even dove in how we can be confident knowing that this prayer is powerful because we pray according to his will because we are now children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So we got his confidence and we know how powerful prayer is, right? Sometimes we get dismayed though. And this is one thing Jesus is picking up on is we can think our prayers don't mean much. We can think our prayers don't answer much. We can think our prayers can seemingly be useless. But Jesus in this passage is, is encouraging us. He's instructing us and he's commanding us to keep praying. Keep trusting God because we know prayer is powerful. And as they used to say, the old saints say, prayer changes things. Amen. He says in a parable because he's making a point. He uses this compare and contrast model in his parable. So let's look along. He says in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. That's a bad judge. Jesus paints this stark picture about this judge. Now, this is not a, a historical uh, account that Jesus is giving. He's making up a story to make a point. He's painting a story. That's what a parable is. He says, there was this widow that came to the city, and she kept coming to him. Kept coming to him, and he was like, man, get out of here. He wouldn't hear a case, and she was demanding her legal rights. And he kept denying her her legal rights. And the thing that made him being was he was like, man, this woman going to wear me out. See, one thing that really strikes me 
in this parable at the beginning is this woman keeps coming because she knows the rights that she has, according to this story. And it makes me think, do we really know the rights we have in Jesus Christ? Meaning what God has spoken and what God has promised us in Jesus Christ. See, some of us are losing in our personal walks. And I would even say, even collectively, as the church in America right now, we're not experiencing certain things according to God's will and God's promises because we have forgotten the promises and the rights we have in Jesus Christ. He talks about he'll never leave us or forsake us. As we looked at last week, he says, and two weeks ago, when we pray according to his will, we know that the Father hears us and he gives us what we ask. But when we forget that we actually belong to God, when we forget that we're actually a son or daughter of the Most High God, then our prayers go up in doubt. And what do we look at before? James says, look, man, if you're double-minded, you shouldn't think you're going to get anything you ask for because you don't trust We got to know what's promised to us in this passage. What's important, Jesus is actually trying to communicate something when it comes to need. So when he paints a story about this unjust judge and this widow, what he's telling automatically those hearers, those first century hearers, those Jews, those disciples, they would understand that the widows in that day were protected when they didn't have, when they weren't covered by a husband or didn't have a family member that was taking care of them, that they had certain rights according to the law in Leviticus 19, Leviticus 23, Deuteronomy 14, Deuteronomy 24, 26, and James 1, 27 even speaks to them. Meaning they had certain rights. She is, this is someone in need and she needs those who's been given authority to look after. And you got this unjust judge who is not listening. When he says this judge, we can automatically think of, you know, black robe in our day. But a judge in this time, they would see legal cases or sometimes be military leaders or sometimes both. But there's a passage I want you to hear. It's in 2 Chronicles 19.7. It says, now then let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do for the Lord our God will not, will, will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. I read that passage because when Jesus makes this compare and contrast in this parable, one of the things he's showing us is the difference between an unjust, partial judge and a just, impartial judge. One that can't be won over, one that can't, won't not take a bribe, no, no, he's going to stand true. And another that will not do so. He's using this compare and contrast, and he's showing that this unjust judge is not fulfilling his role that he's been called to, and someone is being taken advantage of. But even though he don't fear God, and it's funny because it says this twice. Jesus is trying to make this point. This dude don't care about nothing God got to say. He don't care about you, but he cares about himself. And he says, she going to wear me out. And one, one thing is, I, I'm not always that big in etymology and all that stuff but one thing this greek phrase means like black in my eye he like man this one she she beating me up she keep coming she keep coming now you know he paints this picture it's like man the persistence he want us to grasp is the persistence meaning he wants the people of god to persistently come to the lord persistently and they do that why because they trust 
Look, when your kids doing you like that, when your niece and nephew doing like that, they're doing that because they know you got what they want, what they need, and they depending on you to give it to them. They were like, I can't get the food, but you got the food. They know they have this trust. They have this unshakable trust that you can give them what they're asking for, and they are persistent. That is an example that we can learn from our bothersome children sometime. We hope this message is blessing you today. Before we continue, we want you to know about Point Ministry resources. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org and subscribe to receive our refuel devotional and view other discipleship materials. Our goal is to point you to the word of God where Jesus is the point. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. Jesus said, I want you to be persistently approaching the Lord. And notice this, her demand in this parable is give me my legal protection, meaning she knows her rights. God actually loves us to throw his words back in his face. And what I mean by that is not to be jerks. All right, don't say, I don't want to be like, God, you, no, no. What I am saying is when we pray back his words, when we articulate his promises, when we speak back to him about what he has promised, what he has said, his truth, his word, God is about his glory. If you want to know one thing God is about, he's about his glory. He's about his reputation and he wants to show himself strong. He wants to show himself faithful. He wants to show and put on display continually who he is. So if you want to experience that, if we want to experience that, then we got to come to him right back. And one thing that does, that actually helps reinforce our faith in what he said, he, who he is and what he's going to do. We got to throw those words back to God. We got to pray those words back to him. If we're going to desire him to answer, we got to know God's word and we got to pray God's word back to him. So we got to understand God is a right on time God. What does he say? This judge continue to delay, 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 delay. But what is the contrast that Jesus gives between the just judge who is God and then this unjust judge? This unjust judge delays, 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 has no interest in you, and then because you're bothering him, gives it. But he says, this just judge, will he not, he he says he's not going to, he's going to bring justice quickly. I mean, he is Right on time. Now, his own time doesn't always match up with our own time. But when we experience his own time, we find out it was right on time. Amen. He is this on time God. And it says he will vindicate his elect, his children. I mean, sometimes God will allow us to get in a space. He'll allow us to get into a problem. He will allow us to get into a situation where at the end of the day, it becomes undeniable he acted. Before I even share our personal testimony, I always think about the Exodus when it says that God led Israel out of Egypt. And I'm going to paraphrase the whole, this part of the story, but it says that by, by day, he led them in a pillar of a cloud, by night, by a pillar of fire, and then they come up to the Red Sea. And on the right and left, in front of them is the Red Sea. On the right and left is this mountainous terrain that they can't even really navigate. And then they look behind them, and it's the strongest army in the world, led by their king, the Pharaoh, who is coming to not bring them back into slavery, who is literally coming to kill all of them. 
And they complain. And their complaint is, we could have died in Egypt. God let us out here to just die. I guess he just said, our graveyard is going to be the wilderness. We're just out here and he's going to die. And God communicates to Moses, be silent. I want you to stand that they may see the salvation of the Lord. And then on night, you know, the, the, the Red Sea opens. They walk through. The army is blocked by God. They can't attack them. And then God lets them out. Think about that. God lets them out so they can attack, but then they get destroyed by water. If I'd have told you before the story was like, you know, God going to kill, he going to destroy the strongest army in the world by water. You'd be like, that don't even sound right. He going to poison them? Like, what he going to do? He destroyed the strongest army in the world by water. But it was a point that he wanted to make. Because when they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army is behind them, in front of them the Red Sea, and they can't go to the right or to the left. Do you know in that very spot, who put them right there? The Bible says God led them to that moment. God put them there. They didn't have bad decisions. They didn't have bad leadership. They know God actually put them in that place so they can experience God in a new way. And I want us to see that it's not by our own power. It's not by our own intellect. It's God that moves. And when we understand this in praying, we understand that he's right on time. So we just keep on praying because if God, because sometimes in our prayers, I've heard y'all, I've told y'all before, say, God will answer your prayer. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes God answers your prayers very quickly. He says, no, we don't like that part of God, but God says no. And then sometimes God says, wait, and that's the worst one, right? Like, wait, like when? When, if not now, when? And God says, I ain't going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I ain't going to show you. But just wait. And what I want you to know is I want you to wait because I'm a good God and I'm an on-time God. So let's keep having a conversation. And sometimes God will slowly disclose more information. And he'll start to open up doors. And all of a sudden, when it's on time, you see, man, God moved. He's right on time. And when it says this word, here's the leg, you're talking about those that are his, those that belong to him, his sons and his daughters, those that have placed faith in Christ. He wants us to experience him in that kind of way. But it's more to it. Y'all have heard me say this over and over. It's tough sometimes when we pray and we seem like, you know, we, we live in a, you hear people call it like the microwave generation. Like we used to getting things quickly. You know, even look back in the day to get information, you know, we, you would, people would wait for the newspaper, right? You had to wait. Had to, then when things got a little faster, you had to wait to the nightly news to get the story. You know, um, now you just at your fingertips. You know, back in the day, uh, when stuff was a little healthier too, you, you had to wait for that food to cook. Matter of fact, you had to wait even longer for that oven to heat up. Now that oven heat up even faster. Then we got microwaves. You don't cook nothing. Just pop it in. Bing! You know, now we mad. It take two minutes. I mean, two minutes. Why are you two minutes? It's going to just be instant. You know, we, we used to stuff fast. Everything moves so fast. Everything is fast, fast, fast. So we, we want God to be the same way. What we don't realize is God is, is, is shaping and molding. He's building us in our faith and trust in him. He's shaping and molding and building our trust in him. He wants us to trust him. And he doesn't want you to get discouraged when he does says, just hold on, pump your brakes. I got this. 
Because sometimes God is doing some things behind the scene that we don't realize. God has people in places and we don't even know what's happening behind the scenes. What he's called us to do is to be faithfully praying and be a true and faithful witness of where we are right now. Because we know that the problems we're dealing with right now, it's a heart issue. And we don't fight this with fleshly weapons. We fight this with spiritual weapons. And we go to the Lord in prayer and then we pray for power to act out and live for the Lord. He says in verse 8, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? See, remember, what did I say? Before this parable, Jesus is teaching on when he comes back. He's teaching on his second coming. And he says, when he come back, is he going to have people? Is he going to find, it's rhetorical, is he going to find people that's actually still trusting? Or people are like, eh, forget it. I don't, pff, I don't even believe no more. I, 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 doubt has ruled the day. See, what he's calling us to is between his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and his sending his Holy Spirit to dwell in the believers and to be amongst and in the church of Jesus Christ until he returns is that we continue to trust him. And how do we display that trust? We continually pray. We continue to talk to him. We don't give up. Yeah, stuff looks bad. Stuff may look bad in your individual lives. Stuff may look bad in your finances. It may look bad in your relationship. It can look bad in your career choices. It can look bad in a whole bunch of other stuff. At the end of the day, are you trusting and will you say and show that you still trust God by continuing to pray and talk to him? Because it's prayer. Remember, I keep saying over and over, it's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. It ain't just you talking. God speaks back to you. He communicates with you. We want to trust and we want to stand on his word. But as I said at the beginning, this is a hard issue because it's not until that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by faith in Jesus Christ, that my heart's become transformed. And now I can see every last human being as being created in the image of God because you are created in his image and he has redeemed each of us by faith in Christ. But when we have not trusted God, then it's very easy for me to look down and look at you as you're inferior, as you're not worthy. But it's in light of the gospel. So when I say it's a hard issue, our strongest weapon, y'all, our strongest weapon is not a fight. Our strongest weapon is not a bomb. Our strongest weapon is when I read in this scripture, when I read God's word and I see how he moves when his people trust him, is that we need to go to the Lord. We need to get on our knees. We need to get on our face. We ourselves need to repent of our wickedness because it's very easy for me to call out the speck in others' eyes without first addressing the log in mine. But Jesus calls us, we address the law that is ours, and then we go to take the speck out of the other. We first, we got to start with us. We got to get before our God, and we got to repent, and we got to pray for strength, that we be true and faithful witness, and then we got to be praying that God start to move in the hearts of men and women that hate, that see people as lesser than. As I said earlier, at the beginning, we got laws to protect stuff. We got law. We got all kind of laws. We got all kind of policies to give opportunity. But at the end of the day, 
we're not going to see change till we see heart transformation. And that doesn't occur till we, the people of God, stand up and be who they are, the people of God. The people of God can no longer walk around here and act like they're not the people of God. The people of God can no longer walk around these streets and act like we're no different than the ones who deny God. Because we are. And the difference is, I'm not better in myself. I have been redeemed. I've been washed. I've been set free. And you too can experience that. And we got to put that on display. We as Christians, we can't be like the white supremacists and think we better than other people because they don't know Christ. Because the only difference is, my heart just like yours. I need a savior just like you do. And his name is Jesus. So people of God, keep praying. Keep praying. The reason we do is because we're confident in it. And the reason we do is because we know our prayers are powerful. Last week we looked at 1 John 5. Our prayers are more powerful than you can ever imagine. Our prayers move mountains. Our prayers break strongholds. Our prayers change hearts. Keep praying, family, knowing that God is faithful. And our prayers and our continuing praying shows that we are continually trusting our God. And we've placed our faith in the only one who can answer. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the Unlimited Access series where we learn what prayer is and how to strengthen our prayer life. If this ministry has blessed you, and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Unlimited Access series, please visit daryljones.org. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.